Hello, sir. Good day to you, sir. And a good day to you. <laughs> and a good day to you. He has health problems. Yeah. I almost... No riding for him anymore. No, I almost made some oatmeal last night and then almost. again this oh, morning. The, 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 ev- the rare evening oatmeal. Or were well, you just pre-making it to have I, in the morning? I was going to make it so it was ready for the morning. Just heat her yeah. on up, but I didn't yeah, that, do it. That was part of my oatmeal story that I, I, ha- I never got into, which is that you know I've been working from home for a very long time now, so yeah. I make it in the morning. But before then, um, and, and I say I would make it... <laughs> My wife, God bless her, she <laughs> makes the oatmeal for me almost every morning. The, uh, the royal Occasionally eye. I make it myself. The editorial, you know. It's the editorial eye, yes. Um, I owe Christine such an amazing debt of her, you know, making me healthy, nutritious food all the time and serving it to me. It's I'm truly blessed. So she does most of the cooking around there? Yes, for sure. For okay. sure. There was a little hesitation. Well, no, it definitely for sure. I mean, I think it's 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 more of a newer thing. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember what the before times were. We just have a completely different routine, you know, in our family over the last, you know, 11 months. Yeah. Um, and that it's slowly kind of morphed into this new routine. And yes, uh, Christine, is, Christine, this new routine is Christine does almost everything. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Not just food wise, just everything. Just pretty much everything. And I. You're um, like, I'm sorry, I'm busy talking to my friend on our podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just don't know it's if horrible. I'll have time to do anything else. It's horrible. I got to um, find a nice image of Scooby Doo to put up on the. It takes time. Yes. You know, it doesn't just yes. happen. Yes. <laughs> but my. But, but before we were staying at home, there would be like, okay make enough oatmeal for a week on one day a gigantic yeah. pot of that oatmeal put it in the fridge take some out and heat it up in the microwave in the morning scoop it out with your hand slurp it up because yep. if you gotta get it go outside get into a car and drive somewhere in the morning you're yeah. not making fucking oatmeal no especially this kind of oatmeal it takes 30 minutes yeah to, to cook this it takes yeah yeah 30 minutes to cook a single ser- serving of these uh these steel-cut oats, a.k.a. Irish oats, oh. as they're also called, for uh, whatever reason. New shit has come to light, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's how I originally was referred to this, is like Irish... Was it Irish oatmeal? Irish well, there was Swiss oatmeal. oatmeal. Like the- we were doing Swiss oatmeal for a while. Oh, yeah? What, what is Swiss oatmeal? Well, I don't really know, but it, you eat it cold. And I think it... Honestly, I think we were... Using the rolled oats, like the thin, flat ones, for that. But like, yeah, I think you would, um, you'd make it the night before, and then it, you'd eat it cold, and it was milky. It was a little milky. Okay. Maybe, and then you, you know, throw some fruit in there or something. Yeah, I, I think I know that. Well, is this the same as the, the overnight oatmeal? Well, maybe so. The- I'm not sure. Where you so you you put it in like a little jar in your fridge and let it sit overnight. 
Yes. That's what you said, right? Well, yeah. 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 I've heard of that. I never heard it referred to as Swiss oatmeal, but I I could see it. It seems kind of Swiss. I think there's another, maybe another word in there, like something Swiss oatmeal or yeah. Swiss something. Well, I, was just I just, like just me sent the, you a link the, to a recipe. The Irish oats. So speaking of extra words... Yeah, I did want to revisit oatmeal, so I'm happy you brought okay. it up and brought this in because that's what okay. I was going to. Because I feel in all our discussion of oats and meal and wheat and chaff and everything else, chaff, 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 whatever, man. Look, talking about chaff. <laughs> Is this an episode of talking chaff? No. Okay, good. But this may be an episode of talking groats because in all this, we didn't even talk about groats. I know groats are oats. They're not exactly oats. They're unprocessed oats. You can they? have an oat groat. <sighs> Is it just the uh, the covering and the inside bit all together? What's a groat? The the kernel. No, wait. Oh, so I'm looking at it right now because I had the definition up and queued to go. But now that I'm reading it, I realize... Groats are the part of the oat that we're eating. So oats is the whole thing. But when the husk is removed from the oat kernel, that kernel in there is called an oat groat. An oat groat. So groats are the goat. Exactly. Okay. At least for me and my breakfast. Well, yeah, I don't want to be eating the husk. No. So steel-cut oats, a.k.a. Irish oats, are groats that have been toasted and cut into small pieces by steel blades. Now, the toasted part, I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize that. a whole other toasted. dimension to this. Well, that adds flavor compounds that you can't get otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'll say, you know, the instant oatmeal or like the five-minute oatmeal even is like good. It's fine. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But now that I'm used to eating these uh, um, toasted groats that have been cut into small pieces by steel blades, like it's so much better. It's so good. It's hard to go back in a way. Well, again, unless you had to wake up and get into a car, then maybe you'd go right. back to the little packet that you put some right. water or milk. Well, in, except, but... I, yeah. Or if I have the forethought cook it on like Sunday night and make enough for all week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, <laughs> I, I wish I would do. Yeah. I will say making it for the whole week. By the time you get to like Thursday and Friday, you're like, yeah, this has been sitting in the fridge for a week. You can tell. Yeah. It's not quite the same <laughs> as it was on Monday morning. Yeah. But it's still good. It's still, it's not like it's gone bad in that amount of yeah. time, though. Yeah. Are you, you're heating it up every day, too, or do you ever eat it cold? Um, I heat it up every day. I'm not going to lie and say I've never eaten it cold, just as a, on a lark or just to have a taste. Or it's like I've taken it and I have, uh, you know... Maybe scooped it out, uh, put it in the microwave, but that's like, oh, it's the morning. I'm so hungry. I'm just going to like take a couple spoonfuls of cold oats and just 
force those down my gullet while it's heating up. But again, there's no like sugar flavoring or anything. Oh yeah. So there's also that aspect, and I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever tried to like. So I use agave syrup. You know, okay. gotta get that lower glycemic index. Sure. It's all about that glycemic index. Okay. And, uh, it um, what did it do? Well, it sweetens yeah. it. <laughs> sweetens it. So that's that. I mean, oats aren't the best by themselves. No, they're definitely not. <laughs> so you they're you do all not. the treatments, the flavorants, on a serving by serving basis. Yes. Okay. Take some of the oatmeal, put it in the microwave. Now it's now that it's hot and steamy. Add some uh, agave syrup to it and add a little fruit, whatever we got around. Sometimes, whatever you get, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mainly blueberries or bananas. Sounds great. See, I think the difference with the Swiss oatmeal is since you're eating it cold, you can just do all the add-ins right then. Mm-hmm. And now you got a vat of, you know, because, you know, you eat cold breakfast cereal, you pour cold milk onto some <laughs> whatever, corn flakes, you know? Yeah. So it's not like cold cereal is out of bounds for breakfast. Um, so yeah, you got a big vat and you've done all the treatments already. So that way you can just, you know, scoop it out with your hand, throw, slop it into a bowl and just eat it or just eat it straight from your hand, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's ready to go. Just put your face down into the. And suck. Yeah. Container and suck. Yeah. Exactly. Once you've got the sucking down, if you can suck then you're in luck. That's my motto yeah. for breakfast. That's a great motto. Yeah. I mean, if you can suck, there's nothing you can't do. Pretty much. So that's my grandpappy always said. So, all right. So, so we've discussed the groats. Yeah. We've toasted groats or the goat. <laughs> exactly. They get so my I vote. An, I had <laughs> another experience to relay today. Great. If we're ready to move on to experience number two. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I had an experience two nights ago. One of these rare experiences. Yeah, it's, you don't get too many experiences these days. No. Where I was feeling good, you know? Mm-hmm. Also a rare experience. Like, yeah, like the dude in the back of the limo. Yeah. <laughs> you know... A couple months ago, you were feeling really down. Exactly. <laughs> Lost a couple of elections. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. I got a rash. I got a rash, man. So I was feeling good watching. And it's one of these things where you're feeling good and then you're watching something at night on the TV. And it is like, it's also good. You're finding it very good. And you're feeling better and then the thing on TV is getting better. And it creates this like feedback loop where you're both crescendoing up together. Man, so often the feedback loops are negative. Yes. But this was working really, really well. It was one of those weird things. I think on a different day, 
I would not have had this experience, but it was like the right culmination. The stars aligned. So my brain chemistry and the images on the screen worked in concert. So, so what you're saying is you stumbled across a telecast of Fish's performance from Fukujoa, Japan. <laughs> no, but close. <laughs> okay. Possibly weirder or stranger for me F- when I tell you no what go. this was. Okay. It was a musical concert film. And I was like, this, I'm, I'd put, the, at the time, now I've, I've, you know, in the light of day, at the time I was like, you know, I hate to say it, but I think this might be in like my top 10 movie list right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Was it, uh, was it um, Sticks' Caught in the Act? It was not, but you're, okay. it's not too far it was it wasn't rocky horror picture show no it was not okay. that although okay. i do enjoy rocky horror picture show although i haven't probably watched it in 25 years i'll see you again <clears throat> all right do you want to take one more guess three guests yeah yeah i got uh, i got a couple more i can throw out here was it right. um okay did it star david bowie no okay there's one it's three questions more than three right. guesses. Um, was it rock and roll based? Yes. Tommy by the Who. No. Fuck. All right. It was a musical concert film directed by Jonathan Demi. Oh Jesus. He's actually, it's actually quite renowned. I've definitely always heard of this. I've never seen it before. Wait, is this The Stones, Altamont? No. No, that was directed by uh, those brothers, the ones at the Grey Gardens. Mazels. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah, this is more, this is newer, this is 80s. That's Demi's main stomping decade, I think. Yeah, and instead of a stomping ground, you get a stomping decade. Well, and into early '90s, like yeah, early early '80s yeah. to early '90s, because you know, Silence of yeah. the Lambs. Right, that was like his crescendo, his zenith, perhaps. Yes. Although I don't know, I haven't reviewed his filmography. Maybe um, he has some. Philadelphia good ones. came out after that, but yeah. Okay, was- I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, I got her. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Jonathan Demi, and I think his work is a big part of why I enjoyed this in a way because there was something and it was very subtle and intangible but i was really getting off on the way that it was filmed so i'm looking at his uh imdb page did it it was a bruce springsteen related no neil young no holy shit he's got two neil young documentaries three on here the fuck would it be justin timberlake (laughs) No, you got to go further back, man. This oh, is we're the going, 80s, early oh, 80s. Oh, I didn't realize it was the 80s. Okay, Talking Heads? You got it. Stop well, Making whoa, Sense. Shit. Talking Heads concert movie from 1984, filmed in December of 83. So if you want to split huh. hairs, it was a the film 84, the concert 83. But, um, oh my God, it's 8.6 stars on IMDb. So that's pretty high. That's really high. That's like for IMDb even. For IMDb, there's a lot of haters on there. Oh sure, this that's as like Kubrick's highest rated movie is like an eight point six. Yeah, 
I mean, it's really good. I don't know that you would enjoy it at all. You have to be able to just like one, like, so, okay, I'm, I can go to break this down. I can try to break it down. I mean, I'm a little put off at your, <laughs> at your implications. Well, I'm just, I, it has nothing to do with you. It has more to do with my bizarre taste and this movie. Cause it, it one, it's like incredibly strangely dated. Well, I'm going to get to that in a second. I mean, the talking so, heads are incredibly strangely dated. Exactly. By themselves. Exactly. So I think like if you can't get into the music, I don't think you'd get into the film. You know, like that's just kind of makes sense. I, I, I think there is something. So here, here was this experience I had with this movie. Okay. One. It was. Um, hold on a second here. Okay, so one, there is something, and I can't really describe it, and I think it might just be, you know, again, one of these things with, like, the benefit of hindsight, like, it was, so it was obviously, it's 1983, it was shot on film, it's a really beautiful, are you you talking, talking heads to my head? I am, about film. (laughs) About yeah. loving films, yes. Okay. Actually, not loving sure. films, just loving film. Because it was shot right. on film, and there was something about the film look to it, the humanity, the warmth of it, mm-hmm. that was really, like, wrapping me in a warm blanket. It wasn't this, like... And there was a lot of, like... The lighting played a big role throughout this. Like, there were, you know, strange lighting situations... You know, interesting color combinations, all kinds of stuff happening that were exciting me, giving my visual part of my brain food while I was watching this. Not to mention the insane antics of David Byrne and the Talking Heads and their extended stage band also. I can tell just from the thumbnails on the IMDb page that. Yes, it's like intensely stylized visually. Yeah, it's filmed really, really well, I think. Okay. And and the sound quality is was just like superb also. That, that's super important. Which I read later on Wikipedia that this was the first film that used an all digital audio recording. Interesting. Uh, setup or whatever, yeah. Huh. So it was 1983. They were they were going digital with the audio. Went with the so, analog warmth of film for the visuals, but embraced the newish tech of digital audio. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think film is all they really had to do. I mean, so this was a film like it played in theaters and was apparently very, very popular when it came out. Like, it's not a thing they really have now too much like. You know, because now we have so many other venues. Back back then, I'm imagining it's like, oh, what are we going to watch tonight? Well, let's go to the movie theater and watch a concert. Weird. Like, that's something that's kind of out of... But, like, at that time, there's a lot more concert movies and stuff. You know, I'd say that, you know, mid-80s might be the end of that. Hmm. Like, Rattle and Hum U2. I'm not sure what year that was. Probably later than this, though. Yeah, that was 88, 89. Yeah. That's like the last thing like that I can really think of. Now, they do still have things today where it's like live, like simulcast into theaters. I see that. Radiohead had one in the late 90s, I think. 
Yeah, or like the the Met Opera. Like they, I've seen this recently. Like in the like not in the last year, but leading up to it, like at the theater downtown here, there'd be a thing like, oh, like the Met Opera from New York. You know, live beamed into the theater here at you know whatever Sunday at two or whatever. Well, that's a little bit of a different wrinkle then if they're doing it live, like simulcasting it, because then you have that sense of community. Exactly. Yeah. You still have that sense of liveness. You're seeing it. But but anyway, so this concert film, yeah, filmed. So so the visuals were great. The show was great, not just in the music, but the presentation of it. They did this great thing where that I really thought was interesting where it started out with kind of like a unfinished stage you know it just looks like a stage like in the middle of being you know there's like ladders and the walls aren't painted and shit you know it's like a backstage it's more like backstage I guess is what you might call it okay but the but the backstage was exposed right and it starts out with just David Byrne. He comes out with a boombox. And he's in the middle of this stage. The audience is all around him. Like, oh, David Byrne's come there. You know, there's like a microphone stand set up. He comes out with a boombox. Is he holding it up on his shoulder? No, he's just carrying it next to him. Okay. Um, And, you know, he puts it down and, and hits play. And he's like, or before he hits play, he's like, hey, I have a tape I want to play for you. And he hits it, and there's just like this kind of like synth beat playing. And then he goes and performs a whole song with the synth beat. He pulls out an acoustic guitar, just him and the synth beat. Then the next song, the bassist comes out. It's just him and the bassist. And the next song, the drummer comes out. Him, the bassist, and the drummer. So now we've done three whole songs. Then the next part, you know, and while they're doing this song, in behind, the workers are like bringing out like the drum platform and everything, setting it up for the... It was just... An interesting journey yeah, of them slowly building this up and the music becomes more and more complex as they add more and more. And eventually they have a huge amount of people because in addition to the four members, core members of the Talking Heads, they have like, you know, an extra percussionist guy, an extra uh, guitarist, uh, two backup singers, another guy on keyboards. You know, it keeps building up anyway. I think, and this music, so I've talked before about the, the, the valley where you don't know about pop culture because it's too close to where you were born. It wasn't nostalgia growing up. Uh-huh. And it wasn't what was cool then, but it's just this lost thing. And this whole thing falls squarely in that. Because, again, I'm watching this like, what is this music? Well, like, what genre is this? This was like a you... hugely popular rock band, but they're yeah. just like going crazy the menagerie of are, sounds yes i'm like it's just interesting like what you know what i mean but watching it i kind of was transported to that time and i started to really appreciate it and i was like yes and and the ridiculous outfits the so 80s outfits that some of these people were wearing but i start it started to like my brain started to soak it all in. I was like, you know what? The early 80s, I'm really, for the first time ever, truly feeling the early 80s right now. <laughs> it has been distilled into this production and is being fed into me. And I am accepting it. But, like, again, the way this band looks, like, they're wearing, like, 
khaki pants and polo shirts like the drummer and the the other guy who kind of go takes turns between guitars and keyboards jerry jerry harrison and chris france they're wearing like yeah like like polo shirts and khaki pants and it's just like there's a preppiness to it yeah and they just have this like yeah very like Again, what to me I would consider preppy, yeah, yeah, like hair, like this weird kind of look. David Byrne, of course, is wearing like his suit, you know, his right. gray suit with his oversized suit. He, the oversized suit doesn't come out until almost to the end. He says okay. that he's just in kind of like a regular suit, but okay. he slowly kind of strips down as he goes because as he gets just drenched in more and more sweat, because every performance is incredibly energetic with him running around you know moving in crazy synchronized movement with like the backup singers it's like a full-on aerobics routine at one point it gets so crazy they're doing like an aerobics routine of like moving from one foot to the next hop back and forth with the beat hop 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 it just looks like they're doing like sweating to the oldies or something And then David Byrne starts running laps around the stage while everyone else is doing that and that goes on for like a good 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't think I could run for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And like, again, he like, yeah, he like eventually takes off the jacket. So he just has like the gray pants and the white shirt. Eventually he's like pulling the shirt out for, so it's untucked. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he starts. Yeah, he just starts getting less and less layers as he sweats through. And then eventually you, they do like a costume change. And then eventually they do a third ca- costume change where he comes out in his giant suit. You came across this organically. Yeah, it was just like I turned on Amazon Prime and it was like, oh, here's some things. And Talking Heads, I have no idea why it, I've never watched music on there. I don't know why it was there. It was just randomly there. Talking Heads stopped making sense. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I've always heard of this. I don't know what even made me click on it. I was just like, you know, let me just try this out. Watch a couple of minutes. See what this is like. And I sat there. I did not get off the couch for the entire 90 minutes of this film. I I even at some point was like, you know, I could use a drink of water. But I'm like, you know what? I can't get up. I can't stop watching this even for a second. I was so (laughs) mesmerized. It's back when we used to go to restaurants you know, it's like my philosophy of picking something off the menu that I would never, ever, ever order. Right. Because what? You're going to watch a 90 minute long, like, rockumentary? Not even a rockumentary. Rock it's not even a rockumentary. It's just mentary. a concert. Yeah. There's no I, point in which, a- like, they <laughs> cut to the the band members talking or, like, here's the ball. It's just 90 minute of the concert filmed. Not something you would normally put on. Sometimes that's how you got to do it. Yep. Sometimes it's terrible. Other times it, uh, you know, ushers you into a whole new world. Yeah, it really did usher me into a whole new world. Um, And now I've discovered the Tom Tom Club. Oh, boy. Which I never heard of. But that is like a side project of some members of the Talking Heads. Not the man himself. David Byrne is not involved in this, no. It's the the bassist. It kind of makes it more also, interesting that he's not involved with it. 
Exactly. Frankly. Well, well, yeah. And again, after I watched this, I read a lot about the history and stuff and how this came to be. But yes, the bassist and drummer, who are also uh, a married couple, this was like a side project of theirs um, that actually spawned a huge hit that I've never heard of called Genius of Love. Genius which, of um, Love? Which the thing I was reading was like, you know, because, you know, Talking Heads got really big. David Byrne was getting really big. He was like the front man. It was Talking Heads. He was turning it into just the David Byrne show. And then he was like, hey, guys, I'm working on a solo project. I'm doing the soundtrack for this movie. I, I don't know. It might be a year or two. I'm going to work on this. So I'm not we're not doing Talking Heads for a couple years. Right. And. Then Jerry Harrison was like, oh, hey, I'm going to do a solo project, too, then. And so then his husband and wife is like, well, maybe we'll do one. And the record label was like, we can't do three Talking Head solo projects. <laughs> like, we're just not. I'm sorry, guys. Like, they called it first, whatever. And eventually, you know, through rigmarole, they're like, well, we're going to, you know, record a song. I want to send it to you, see what you think or whatever. But they ended up having the most popular thing. This song was super popular and was super influential. Like the right cool people all loved it. And so David Byrne was kind of put in his place a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, this band isn't just me. Like these guys on their own are creating something super popular. You, you got to like that kind of. Yeah, and he was like, you know, he had, he kind of like, I, I kind of the sense Ringo Hall was like, he didn't really respect the other band members as much. Yeah. And now he was kind of forced to after this, this thing. I mean, um, Freddie Mercury went through that too. When they had some time away, like Freddie went off to do his own solo shit. <laughs> and <laughs> it was horrendous. Yeah. Like really, really, really bad. And it's because who the fuck is going to say, no, that sounds stupid. Let's do this instead. Right. Only the other members of queen, these other session musicians that he's got in there aren't going to yeah, be exactly. like, that sucks. It's the George Lucas problem. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah. So when they did the Tom, so they did do a Tom Tom club, like in the middle of the movie, you know, they just did a little thing where, like, you know, the guy in this bizarre voice he puts on the drummer is like, hey, all right. Talking heads are going away for a little while. Now it's time for some Tom Tom Club. Here, blah, 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 blah. And they, they do this fucking insane piece of music. Yeah. I'm genius just like, of what love. the fuck is happening? I don't think I've ever heard of it. Heard yeah, it I've never heard, heard of it. it. I've never Tom Club. I've never heard that song. When you hear it, you're going to be like, what the fuck? I have it queued up in Spotify, but. I can't really play it right now. Yeah, I wouldn't play it now, but it's something. Anyway, I, I, I love the movie. I love the Talking Heads. Um, you, I love the movie more than I love the Talking Heads, if that makes any sense. But I also love the Talking Heads. Do you love the Talking Heads now, or did you love the Talking Heads before you watched this? So a previous experience I had with the Talking Heads, in 2019, I was at the the local like art festival thing they have here the people's choice festival okay at the bullsburg military 
museum, oh, sure. which yes. is the uh, origin of Memorial Day started there. And yeah. also in the summer they have, it's like a big grounds, right? And they have this thing where artisans mm-hmm. come and you know, little tents and, you know, hawk their wares and, yep. you know, they got vendors of food and musicians and stuff, two different stages, all that stuff. Graham Spanier like used fair. to play with his Deacons of Dixie Yes, his washboard. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was there in 2019 and there was a Talking Heads cover band headlining that day. Was their name Headliners? No, I that'd be a good name, name for a Talking Heads cover band, though. Headliners. Why is that? Oh, well, heads, the, head. heads, and yeah, he- yeah. they're headlining. You know, even if they're right. not, they're still called headliners. So it's who's headlining? Yeah. The headliners. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember what the name of the band was, hmm. uh, but you know. I was listening to them and, you know, I went to go get the food right from the vendors. Oh, I'm going to get some, uh, you know, whatever. What is it? Uh, some uh, fried mushrooms and some uh, oh, funnel yeah. cake and funnel uh, cake, mm-hmm. corn dogs. Know, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Oh, giant, get the big giant. You know, and, you know, so by where this food is, you know, there's like, uh, you know, picnic tables and stuff set up. And from there you can see, you know, the, uh, the band that's on that stage playing and it was so they were playing songs and i had had a similar experience where one i was like i didn't realize because like i listened to what i want to say is probably their whole set i can't remember exactly if you know if i can't miss the beginning or maybe the end i don't know but like i'm like okay we're like 10 15 songs into this and like i've known every song they've done yeah, I couldn't. And they're name, all great songs. Like I they name do have good five songs. songs from them, probably right now. If you put a gun to my head, even I can name. Yeah, like I don't three. Know. I don't know. I think I, I'm not saying I more. wouldn't know them if they played them, but I'm saying I couldn't name them. Right. Yeah, that could be because I don't even know. Man, could, a good days go. I don't know what that song is called. You know. Right, but you know the song. At I least. know this. Yes, I know. Of course. Yes. I mean, and so, yeah, so I was listening to that. I was like, you know, I actually know so many of these songs. Like, I was like, I I was kind of in a situation like you. I was like, yeah, they have like three big hits that I would recognize that, that yeah, they're great songs. They're fun to listen to. If they come on, I'm not going to turn them off. I might even like sing along, bop along a little bit with. But I was watching this cover band and there's, like I said, like 10, 15 songs. I'm like, wait a minute. I've known every one of these songs and I like them all like that. Like, maybe I really like this band and never realized it. Curious. So that was, uh, so there, so yes, I like the Talking Heads. Now, this concert was a lot more what I'm going to call deep cuts. Because one, a lot of the songs that I know of them, like, I don't think they like, they came out yet at the point when this was filmed. It's 1983. yeah, so, you know, granted, their first album was in 77, so they still had a pretty sizable catalog at this point. But I again, like, I think because yeah. of my age, I'm probably more familiar with the later catalog than the earlier stuff outside of the super highlights, Psycho Killer, Once in a Lifetime, so on and so forth. Burning Down the House had just come out on their most recent album that this tour was in support of. Oh, well, there you go. Those those are the three that I would have been able to name, probably, so... Yeah. I mean, I know some Wild Wild Life, and she was. Um, oh, I know, and she was. Okay, sure. Um, life in Wartime. Mm-hmm. I don't know it by name. Yeah, there's some. But 
But um, and I, I'm, I know there's more too, but off the top of my head. But anyway, the so that was my first inclination with Talking Heads. Now this had yes, like I said, lots of songs that I'd not heard before that were all really stretching my mind. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to stretch my mind to allow this new type of material in. But my mind was ready. Again, my mind was in the right state. It was being stretched to allow this all in. And I was like, shit. But at the end, I was like, that was a audio video feast. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, you were keeping your mind limber, so that's good. Yes. Yes. I wonder if, if you'd been, if your thinking had become too uptight, if you would have enjoyed it as much. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would not have. I mean, no, I don't know. I think I'd enjoy it no matter what, me personally, because I think I've done enough limbering. I think there was definitely a point in time where I would have been like, I only like, you know, guitars with either like a classic rock or like modern hard rock sound. And this weird art school music performance is like not for me, man. I only like body dysmorphism in the form of Deantwood. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if dysmorphism is a word, but, you know, I only like people who have blades for legs. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I only like, yes, whatever. <laughs> Insane paint jobs. Someone's skin painted entirely red with, like, yellow eyes. Right. Yeah. Who doesn't? Well, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm going to spend 90 minutes of my life watching that, but I'm not going to not say that either. Right. You know, if you wanted to be really bold, you could add it to Numbi in one day. Be like, all right. Oh, right. It's a film. It's not a narrative film. We got to expand into other types of filmmaking here. Yeah. You could put it in there. Just saying. Not saying you should. Not saying you shouldn't. Just... It's an idea out there. It is Jonathan Demme. That's true. That's true. And he did get a lot of accolades for for making this film, as I understand it. (sighs) Because once Numbi has spoken, there's no arguing. That's kind of the glory of Numbi. Although Numbi's on hiatus right now. That's true. It would be a long wait, a long haul. Yeah. But it could be like a little... Said it's like setting a little landmine for yourself, <laughs> right? That's gonna right. go off two years from now. You don't know where. Like, you don't shit, know when. Well, I guess we're watching this Talking Heads concert. All right, right. It's like shit. At least it's only ninety minutes. It's not like two and a half hours or something. It's not a whole concert. Well, right. I want to keep putting uh, "Once Upon a Time in the West" on Numby. Uh, that's a non-West. Sorry, "Once Upon a Time in America," which is. I mean, it's not really a companion piece, but Sergio Leone did Once Upon a Time in the West and then later Once Upon a Time in America. One of his few non-Westerns that I know of anyway. But every time I'm about to do it, I look at the running time and it's almost four goddamn hours long. And I'm like, no fucking way. (laughs) Just not doing it. Nope. I have my limits. Just fuck that. It's like three hours and 46 minutes. Fuck no. <laughs> Hateful Eight was like three hours and 10 minutes, and that yeah. was brutalizing. And it was good, you know? Right. Still, fuck. Yeah, I hear you. Sometimes you got to split those up. I wonder, when we watched 
Hateful Eight, I can't remember if we split it up over like two nights, if we got to a point where it's because it's so conveniently cut into chapters also. Yeah, you know what I mean? True, true. It was like, okay, we have like two more chapters left. Let's just finish it. I feel like we might have did that or at least like took some time off. Been like, okay, we're going to pause it now. We're gonna come, we'll come back to it in a little bit, but let's like breathe a little. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially Relieve since- ourselves. Get some more snacks. The first half of it is so like, uh, I don't want to say boring necessarily, but it's a little tedious. Yeah. There's a lot of setup happening. That is Tarantino's MO, man. I think. I don't know. Have you ever seen Pulp Fiction? (laughs) Even Pulp Fiction, to a degree, like... Definitely, like, especially, like, there's just, like, a lot of, okay, there's two kind of things that happen. Even with Pulp Fiction, like, it starts out with the two characters in the car, the two hitmen, right? And Hit, and they're... Hitmen, I like that, hitmen. I like that, too. <laughs> I, I really like the way that came out. Yeah, me these, too. So these two hitmen are, like, you know, they're talking about Amsterdam and Royale with cheese. Sure. And all this stuff. And granted, it's very entertaining. But it's also like, okay. And then they're like, get to the place. And they're like opening the trunk of the car. And they're they're, again, they're talking about, oh, what was happening this way. There's just so much exposition, right? But again, it works really well to build up this tension. Same thing. um, Well, same thing in a lot. And also, if we're going to talk about tedious stuff, like the whole middle part with Bruce Willis, like there's a lot of just like conversation that goes on like i mean i think it's easy to forget about with all the other excitement but like and i'm not saying i don't enjoy it but you know bruce willis talking to that cab driver it seems to go on really long then he's talking to his uh girlfriend i forget what her little nickname was right now smoky puffy or whatever yeah he goes you know he goes back to he's like shit i gotta go back he goes back and then I mean, he I comes back that. and picks. Like, there's a lot just happens and happens and happens until you get to like. But I mean, I don't know. It's all man. good. It's punctuated. It's punctuated nicely. Like that. The the way it opens with the Royale with cheese. Yeah. There, so there could be as many as six guys up there, whatever. And then let's hang back. Foot massages. That doesn't take an hour and a half before they get no. into the apartment and start fucking shit up. It takes That's like true. seven minutes, maybe. <laughs> Where Hateful Eight That's is true. just like, okay, here's all these people. Who are the baddest badasses? Who's where? Who's doing what? That's yeah. like an hour and a half. Where like w- one thing happens before like I- it all starts really like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. But but even in Pulp Fiction, like, okay, yes, you're right. There is at least the little moments, if we're going to call it, like, pure action, which I think isn't fair because I do think there is a lot of suspense building before them sometimes. But, like, fine, they have the brief shootout in that apartment with the big Kahuna Burger guy and everything. You know, they... Then it's Vince Vega just, like... Driving around, buying heroin, going on a date with Uma Thurman. They're talking about all kinds of shit. Fox Force 5 and $5 milkshakes. And, oh, let's dance. Like, again, like, it's a lot. It's a lot of film where it's just 
not action. <laughs> like a uh, lot. It's not I supposed feel. to be an action movie. You're right. Correct. Correct. This isn't crank revisited no, or something. No, no, no. Crank origin story, you know? But but we're talking about the tediousness, I guess. I, I guess but it's I not find tedious. those sections tedious isn't the right word, but they are I like he 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 goes on longer than I think most other people would. Well, there weren't a lot of and movies maybe in like Hateful Eight he took it to a whole new level. He did. But I feel that was always kind of there. Like you know, like I've watched Pulp Fiction probably a hundred times, and almost and probably eighty five of those times was in like the same year that it came out. Right. Um. There weren't a lot of movies like that around when that came out. No, no. That movie, again, as you know, to borrow the phrase from David Lynch, it was one of those things that just blew all the circuits. (laughs) Right. Like just in my brain, just holy shit. Like I went to watch that in the theater many times because I just couldn't get enough. I couldn't stop thinking about it. (laughs) I was like, I want to see that again. (laughs) Hey, it's one of the posters we got on our wall down yeah. here. Yeah. There's a reason. And then... Uh, now, Jackie Brown, I only saw that one time in the theater at the Five or whatever. Yes. I'd be interested to maybe revisit that one day, because I don't really remember enjoying it all that much. No, me neither. I watched it a couple times. It was pretty much... I think it was just over my head. Yeah, it could be. As, as a young man, like, yeah. it's like, oh, I want more Pulp Fiction. And Tarantino's like, look, I'm not a Pulp Fiction director. I make films. Here's my right. film. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, almost like Coen Brothers in a way. You know, he's like paying homage to all these different, like, genres and other movies and, like, the mythic landscape of L.A. or whatever in a way mm-hmm. that, like, just all over my head. Right. Just bounced right off of there. And it was just like the talking parts of Pulp Fiction with none of the like shooting parts or weird eccentric shit like gimps and arguing about big kahuna burgers and and everything else. Accidentally blowing someone's brain out in the back seat. <laughs> like a, a like a jump scare. Like yeah, like no, it had none of that. It was just the talking parts of Pulp Fiction with none of the weird pop culture weirdness of it. Yeah, it was just, I mean, I would be curious to watch it now to see what I think, I guess. At the time, I think I just was not, it wasn't the right time of my life and my knowledge and my maturity, which granted, all of those things have only changed in a very minuscule amount in the like 25 years since that film has come out. So <laughs> wasn't probably the- won't be any different today. It was the the follow-up to Pulp Fiction, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So everyone's all excited. Oh, it's the follow-up to Pulp Fiction. Here it comes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, here you go, man. It's just Robert Forster and and what's her name? The titular Jackie Brown. Yeah. Whose name now is escaping me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's like... um, They just... It's just them talking. It's like Lebowski being Pam Greer, but it's like Lebowski Greer, yes. being the follow-up to Fargo. It's like, holy shit, Coen Brothers did Fargo. What's next? Right. I can't wait to see that? the next true crime, pseudo-true crime caper. Right. 
the fuck was that? <laughs> right. Which is what I thought when I left the theater. What the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> I didn't hate it, but it was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Ah. Well, I'll, you know, I'm going to consider putting Stop Making Sense on Numby, but uh, maybe I'll put it on Numby A3, because right now we're doing Numby A1 and A2. Okay. And we've whittled those down to about 19 or 20 each. So we've got 40 more to go before then we're into A3. Because we had original Numby, which was whatever, like a hundred something. And then we did alternates, alternate one, alternate two. I don't know why we did it that way. We just did. And then I have alternate three because I keep thinking of other ones like, oh, shit, yeah. Like I didn't have Rocky on <laughs> any of the first three numbies. It's like, okay. Uh, I mean. Yeah. Well, there's watch- so much out there. It's easy to have oversights like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like Rocky, though. You know, that's a part of the cultural zeitgeist that you have to be aware of you just have to like you're 200 movies in almost and you haven't watched rocky that seems weird like it's philadelphia's (laughs) proudest son (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) a fictional character (laughs) oh fucking philadelphia rather be here than philadelphia know what i mean well, UNWC Fields. 